Welcome to The Divorce Podcast, a podcast that explores divorce, separation and co-parenting here in the UK, countering the often sensationalist way it's portrayed in the media, challenging the status quo and driving for reform. On each episode, I'm joined by experts to discuss divorce, separation and co-parenting from different angles. I'm Kate Daly, a relationship counsellor and divorce coach, co-founder of Amicable and host of The Divorce Podcast. On this episode, I'm joined by Sue Atkins. Sue has over 15 years experience as a parenting coach and teacher. She's also a mum of two kids. Sue's the parenting expert for ITV's This Morning, BBC Radio, Disney Junior, Good Morning Britain, and India's Education and Parenting World. She's helped thousands of parents to overcome challenges and develop a balanced, down-to-earth parenting approach that creates happy, positive children and relaxed, confident parents. Welcome, Sue. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. Sue, you have a wealth of experience. It's awe-inspiring. Tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are today. What's your journey been? Good Lord. Okay. Well, I was a deputy head and class teacher for over 22 years. And then my dad passed away, quickly followed by my mum within the same year. And I remember walking my dogs one day across muddy fields and I was sort of pondering what they taught me and what they'd given me. And I came to the realisation they'd given me self-confidence, they'd given me self-esteem and a belief I could do anything if I set my mind to it. So it was a very important gift I felt they gave me. And I'd been teaching for years and I absolutely loved it. So I've never really done a day's work in my life. Uh, And then I thought I'd become more and more interested in self-esteem and confidence with children. I'd trained in something called circle time. And I was then training my staff at school because I became head of PSHE. And uh, after, you know, a catalytic moment, like when you lose both your parents quite suddenly within the same year, you get a kind of a midlife crisis, I suppose it is. What is it now I'm supposed to do next? I've got this amount of time left. So I went off and retrained. I retrained with someone called uh, Dr. Richard Bandler and Dr. Paul McKenna in something called NLP. And I went and trained as a life coach uh, focused on parent coaching. And so my life kind of took a different direction. And within about three months of doing that, I was invited to write my first book, which is Raising Happy Children for Dummies, one in the very famous Black and Yellow series that led on to the radio with the BBC that led on ITV this morning, that led on to another book in 2012 that I was invited to write by Penguin Random House. So it's been a journey. It's been an adventure. And parenting is my passion, you know, not finger pointing, holding out a helping hand and helping parents raise happy, confident kids, really, with happy childhoods. That's an amazing journey, isn't it? So many different multifaceted elements to it. What are the the main anxieties that people bring to you at the moment, given that we're in the, the middle of a pandemic? Well, yes, of course, it's changed dramatically. It's all about now children's well-being and their mental health. I mean, it, it has been about how do I get them to stay in their bed? How do I get them to eat my, you know, their vegetables? How do I get them to you know, uh, listen to me? How do I help my child who's been bullied? All these things, of course, over the years, still there. But the predominant one now is the homeschooling business that's coming to an end and kids are back at school. But for the moment, because everything is so uncertain, it just keeps on changing. So parents are very concerned 
around how to handle those changes and those challenges, you know, from young parents with young children saying, you know, they haven't been socialised and the babies haven't been out and about meeting all the different people, right the way up to teenagers who are suffering, you know, from not seeing their friends, sort of anxiety and all of these things, staying up very late gaming. So it's broad, but there have been some patterns and there have been some themes, I think, through the pandemic. So I'm prolific in creating Instagram pictures and and tips to help parents on that journey. I've just done a whole series around returning to school, some ideas and tips about how to get your kids talking with you and, you know, listening to them. So yeah, passionate about parenting and helping parents, whatever they feel they need at the moment. And often it's about working with the parents too, because they've been through an awful lot between anxiety about work, losing their jobs, homeschooling and working from home, their relationships. So everything is thrown into a bit of a muddle at the moment. And my whole approach is, you know, helping hand, not finger pointing. You mentioned there about the anxiety of going back to school and you've got some tips about that. I was actually trying to grill my kids on this, knowing that I was going to talk to you today. And I said to one of them, well, you know, do you have anxieties about going back to school? What what are they? And one of them said to me, I'm worried about just being with so many people again. And I thought that was quite interesting because I thought the worries would be a bit more practical, like, you know, where to go and what to do and all of that kind of stuff. But it was actually that idea of of being with lots of people, being in a crowd almost. Yes. It's so interesting, isn't it? It's like when you go through a divorce as well, you know, you think it's going to be these subjects or these things that kids are going to worry about. And actually, that's why it's so important to ask. And then it's so important to listen, because I don't know, how old is your son or daughter that you asked? She's 14. Yeah, so you see, you actually found out what she was thinking about. And I was out and about yesterday walking my dogs, and I noticed that the coffee shop that I usually quite like has reopened to take away a coffee. So I had a coffee and a banana ice cream. And what struck me was I felt the same way. There was a school of people coming to pick up their kids opposite. There were people sort of sitting about, you know, very socially distant. There wasn't room for me. And I sat in the car and had my coffee and ate my ice cream. But it felt quite nice to be safe, but amongst a sense of community. But ever, I've just had my injection on Sunday, so I'm being careful. But there is a sense of hope. But we're not used to being around people again, are we? So we've got to relearn it. So I think the secret to some of these things is to ask, then create natural spaces for yourself to listen to your children. Never poo-hoo what they say, because it might not be what you think it's going to be about, you know, do I hand sanitize here? It could be all sorts of little worries and concerns that actually do bother your children, whether they're toddlers or teenagers. And I think we've got a lot better at understanding the need to ask and to listen. I think as a parent, and you know, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I suspect there's maybe a, a common feeling here that it's then what do you do when you've listened and understood the information? Where do you take some of those anxieties and worries? How can you help? Yes, and I think you have to trust your own judgment. I was talking to somebody this morning, and actually a lot of my work is people ask me about all sorts of things, but it's about reassurance because you love your kids. You know your children better than anybody else in the world, better than teachers and all sorts. So, you know, trust your own decisions about what should I do to help? Sometimes it's a good idea to perhaps, I don't know, go for a walk and ponder that question. What is it they need from me? How can I support them knowing their maturity? 
knowing their age, knowing perhaps their concerns. And then sometimes, depending on their age, of course, working together and supporting them, going alongside. Lots of parents try and rush into rescue, which is a bit bit helicopterish. <laughs> it's better if you can, certainly as they get older and they get more to teenagers, they don't really want you to come in for guns blazing. But if you can just create the space to listen, talk, suggest, and then ask back what I call a reflective question, which is a sort of an open-ended question and say, well, I don't know, you know, what do you think we can do to help? Or what do you think you can do to feel more empowered or, or more relaxed or whatever the question is? I think it's really interesting that need to rescue and particularly, obviously, this is the divorce podcast. We're talking mainly to people who are going through separation and divorce. And I think when you're in that situation and you've got some of those emotions that come alongside it, like the guilt as far as your children are concerned, the tendency to want to go in and fix and rescue because you are feeling oh, no, I feel guilty I've done this to my children. I think it's quite overwhelming for a lot of separating parents. What what do you say to people in that situation, Sue? Well, I've written blogs around Big G, the big gremlin of guilt. I've, I've done podcasts around divorce and YouTube channel. I've got one all around divorce step by step. All of these things are so common. But what children really need from you is consistency. And what tends to happen also, because you feel guilty, you overcompensate. And if you're both doing that, then discipline tends to go. And then they become sort of, oh, I can get away with that. And now I can get away with this. So in fact, it's a better idea to sit down and have a pause to ponder moment about what are the things you need to be consistent with? And what are the things that you need to be a little more flexible over? And also, as you co-parent, the other big one is that you can't control what your other partner or yes partner is doing all the time from people you know I've got I've set this up and it's a good way and we agreed it at the beginning but now she or he's doing it differently gosh that's a minefield so often and I always say to the parents that I work with is you can only control what goes on in your household and your emotions and so you know it tends to be and I hate to be stereotypical but in many respects you know one parent is sort of being the Disneyland person where they're staying up really late you know eating pizza and playing on Game Boy or whatever they're playing now gaming stuff until 11 at night whereas the other parent tends to be let's do your homework brush your teeth eat your broccoli and, you know, doing all those things. So you've got to try and work it out. But the only one you can control is yourself. And you must take the bigger picture because at the moment, you know, they're going to nag and go, oh, you're such a killjoy. You make me go to bed at this time and eat my broccoli. But actually, in the fullness of time, when they look back, you're the consistent one. You're the one with the boundaries. They will respect you. And then eventually, if you can hang on that long, they might even thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, God, I'm not going to hold my breath for that. But anyway, no. <laughs> it was interesting. We had a, a guest, Ian Soares, the other week who was talking on the podcast about he shared a technique where you say you use the house as the excuse. So, you know, your child might say, oh, well, I can do this. Daddy lets me stay up till 11 on my whatever. You say, well, in this house, we don't. And so you 
try and depersonalize it from about you saying what the rules are to actually effectively blaming the house. Yes, <laughs> and no, that was quite right. a really nice technique, yes. actually. It's detaching from, you know, you always. And, you know, the other one is when you're talking about your emotions is when you, I feel because, so that it's sort of taking it away from blame and accusation and all that. But I like that one about the house. That's rather good, isn't it? In this house, this is how we do it. It's the same principle when you say, well, up the road, my friend lets them stay up late and do this, that, and the other, and you don't, you go, well, you know, in this house, this is how we do it. And you can be light and fluffy and funny and smiley, but you don't kind of bend to it and feel guilty and think, God, you know, maybe I should let them stay up till midnight and drink alcohol pops. That's not how it works. No, exactly. What what are the some of the common questions? So we talked a little bit about the guilt and having some consistency around what goes on in houses or different homes. But what, what are the other common things you think that parents struggle with most often? How to tell the children. And that's where I start. You know, even just an introductory phone call for an hour to just do that bit well is really important. And again, if you can possibly sing from the same song sheet, but that's very difficult because, of course, you're going through a difficult time yourselves. But I always suggest sitting down with a cup of coffee even on your own and jotting down some key things that you want to say because, you know, you get flustered, you get embarrassed, you get tearful, you get all sorts of things. And then drawing a circle with spokes in it like a bicycle wheel, put in some assurances. Now, don't be silly because you don't know some of the things that are going to happen. But, you know, if they're going to stay at the same school, you could say, well, you're going to stay at the same school and still see Emily and play with Bert or whatever it might be, so that there's some form of continuity that they can rely on. Because, again, if you add in uncertainty around a pandemic and then you add in uncertainty around what's happening, you've got a lot of anxiety that could be building up there. Children take their lead from you. So if you are feeling kind of grounded, I always talk about putting your feet in the ground and sort of take shoes off, get grounded, then you can get positive, then you can get centred. And from this kind of wiser place, you then say some of the things that you want to say or give them some reassurances that you know to be right and, you know, take it from there. And, of course, it's age and stage dependent. I had a a client and we did all of this, you know, we had an hour's call and we talked about how to tell their three-year-old what was happening and they did it and, you know, where they were, they were in the the kitchen, they were wearing this, it was this time, they were going to say that, we got prepared. They said all of it and then the three-year-old's bottom lip went and started trembling and she said, but who's going to take care of me? Because she thought they were both off and that she wasn't wasn't going to have anyone to take care of her. And they hadn't planned that, you see, because they hadn't thought it through. Neither had I anticipated her saying that. So it's about that. And then don't be surprised, you know, where kids sort of go, oh, right, you know, or some burst into tears, some have tantrum some you know beside themselves some just walk off and go okay and they go off up to their bedroom but one of the key things I remember working with a family is they said all of this and I don't often go to a house actually most of my work is has always been online on phones or on zooms or calls but this situation called for me to be there apparently that's how they wanted to work with me and then they said all of that and then dad got up and walked out the door and you should see the four children. I mean, they were beside themselves. That he's gone. And they didn't understand, you know, he'd gone for the morning or gone for the afternoon. They thought he'd gone, gone. So 
These are all these different things that perhaps you try and preempt. You can never preempt them all, but certainly a bit of forward planning really helps children handle it. Because I always say it's not the divorce that causes children the anxiety, it's the level of conflict that they experience. Yes. So if you can try and sort of take it down a level or two, get into what I call a business mode when you start having to deal with your ex so that, you know, it's hard, but it's important. It's difficult. It's challenging. But for the good of the children, it's really important. You sort of take that down, all that emotional baggage. And often when I'm working with parents, I get them to put a photograph of their children at the centre of the table. And I remember this. We did some work with a family and uh you know, whatever they'd agreed that they were talking about. I said, so that's great. So just look at the photo there. I said, so what would Ruby think of that? And he went, oh, my God, no, that's not a good idea. So it helps just that focus to put the emphasis on the kids sometimes to help the decision making. Yeah. And I always think with the conversation around, you know, telling your kids, I think it's for me, it's a conversation that it's not a one-off. It's a conversation you have to keep revisiting. and sometimes. I found with mine, particularly in my own experience, that mine were quite little when we divorced. And therefore, I've had to have that conversation quite a few times with them as they've got older and been able to pick up on different things and to ask sort of different questions and want to know different things about it. So I do think it's a conversation you have to feel confident with and know that you've got to be able to come back to and revisit Yeah, and that's like a lot of conversations in parenting. I was doing uh, an internet safety media day a little while ago. And, you know, we were talking about safety and when kids sometimes click on something that they shouldn't see, you know, and the birds and the bees conversation we we ended up talking about. Well, that's not a one sit down, let's do it, sorted. It's a life thing. It's a lifelong kind of passing on your values, talking about respect. Same principle here. But one key thing for me is to make sure that you don't start slagging off the other parent in front of your children, because they are half of that. You know what I mean? I look like dad. Oh, I can sing like mum. You know, so they will start to take that on as, oh, gosh, you know, what is that about? I feel compromised. I feel like a pawn in the middle of a game I don't understand. And one of the key things, one of the messages that I always talk about as well at the beginning is children blame themselves. So I've heard children say things like, well, if I didn't keep jumping into your bed every night, would daddy still be here? And I've heard, you know, an older child say, well, if I'd got better grades, would mum, you know, still be here? So it can be any number of things. But the main message is not for the child to feel stuck in the middle and for the child to blame themselves because they tend to yes yeah it's and, and that's that's the hardest part of it isn't it as the parent trying to communicate in an appropriate way so the children don't feel that they're to blame Yes, and it's difficult. And that's why you've got to build up your child's confidence and their self-esteem and, you know, talk about it. I see it as a cycle. I've written about it. I've got loads and loads of blogs, free blogs on my website around this whole topic, around the sort of the cycle of it. And I see divorce as a sort of, it was based, I I, I talked about seven stages of it because it was based on Kubler-Ross's death and dying Mm -hmm. cycle. So, you know, anger, denial and all of that stuff. But then I feel with divorce, you do turn a corner and you do rise again like a phoenix. So I've written a lot about that too. But again, any major change takes between 18 months to two years to process. So it's not an event, it's a process. And I think 
helps people to understand that you don't. And, and of course, you're going through it at whatever speed you are, depending on whether you decided you wanted it or not, etc. So is your partner, a Rex. So are your kids. So is your mother. So is your grandparents. You know, everyone is affected by a divorce. So you have to sort of take that bigger picture and people do come through it and sometimes it is the best thing to do for a family as well so don't forget that either we always say it's sad not bad and you shouldn't get yourself all wound up that you've done a bad thing because that doesn't help anybody no that's really good advice really great yes I want to talk a little bit now if I may about your divorce journal for kids what's the thinking behind that Well, I've done a lot of work with parents around divorce and with families and children and the whole family. Or sometimes, you know, when people buy, say, six sessions with me, you know, one comes on their own and then, you know, you can mix and match it. So I tend to say sometimes the same things, you know, over and over again. And then I thought, I remember this little girl when I was teaching, this is donkeys years ago, actually, and there were about five kids going through divorce in the the two-year groups. And I did this thing called a drop-in and chat. Uh, session because I had a trained counsellor and I was trained in that sort of stuff and I remember this little girl blonde hair Lane Fagan I don't know if she's listening hope not Uh, she's probably very grown up now saying no one's listening to me and I thought gosh there she was this eight-year-old saying no one's listening to her so years later I decided to do the divorce journal for kids which is a very positive way for children to express understand look at the bigger pictures it's age sort of seven to thirteen but of course younger kids can do it with mum or dad and older kids can do it on their own or if you've got additional needs it's that it's a safe place to explore it and you look at positive change you look at transition periods between one and the other you look at what's positive about mum what's positive about dad and you know it's a it's birth with activities to support kids through sometimes a challenging time so they can either do it on their own or they can do it with you or at least it's a springboard for conversations so yeah very passionate about it and where can you find the journal so the journal's on my website which is thesueatkins.com because there's a lady called Sue Atkins sitting on a yacht and that's not me (laughs) so I'm the one and only Sue Atkins (laughs) and you can find it on there under my shop and uh, yes, it's it's a really helpful thing to kind of get kids talking and get, you know, get those conversations started. It sounds to me, Sue, like if you're a, a parent who's going through, you know, separation, divorce, learning to co-parent, whatever, heading to your website and, and looking at some of the resources that you have is an absolute must. It sounds like there is a wealth of information and support I just wonder, how do we get this message across? Because there are so many fantastic resources for people. How do we get this message across so that parents come first to somebody like you or the amicable service or whatever, rather than heading for a court and a, a battle and, a and you know, a spiraling down? I mean, Children Act proceedings are just the most awful things. How can we get more people away from that and towards these more positive resources? Well, exactly this by, I suppose, doing podcasts together, sharing good practice. I mean, I went through a divorce and so I ended up writing copiously about it and creating co-parenting conversational cards that you can get and the journal and all sorts. I've got coaching programs because I just felt you can do it with dignity. You can get with respect. 
please don't go to court if you can help it. Try and get some mediation or look at, you know, what you do, because there is a wealth of stuff out there. And, you know, we all want to join the pity party now and again, or we want to slag off the partner with a bottle of wine, but that really doesn't move you forward and really doesn't serve you or your family long term. So, yes, I think I've written, you know, as I say, hundreds of articles around it. If you're not a reader, then there's podcasts all around divorce too. And as I say, on my now newly revamped, actually, YouTube channel, I've got the divorce step-by-step series every Friday night at eight. So I've done about four of those at the moment. There's about eight in that series. But check all of these things out because sometimes it's just the questions that I might ask you that help you to pause to ponder for your own answers. Oh, well, that's brilliant. I mean, I think if, if there's one takeaway from this, it's got to be that, hasn't it? There are loads of resources. There are loads of people who've been through this, who've written professionally on this stuff. Check out, get some help, get some support and stay out of the court. <laughs> oh, yes. And the thing that people don't realise, because one of the main things they worry about is money, isn't it? Money and the kids. And money is tight. You're anxious about where you're going to live, how you're going to survive. If you haven't worked for a while, you've got to go back into the arena. Uh, you know, we're in a pandemic. There's a lot of anxieties. So the important thing is to remember there is good help out there and don't struggle alone and to invest in this now because then long term you get it right. And that to me is so important. Here, here. On that note, Sue, we're running out of time, so I'm going to wrap it up there. But thank you so much for being such an inspiring guest. You've mentioned your website. Just tell us the name of the website again. It's thesueatkins.com. And come and follow me over on Twitter, Sue Atkins. I'm a Twitterholic. Come and join me on Instagram as sueatkins18. I'm on LinkedIn. You know, I'm everywhere. (laughs) Brilliant. Thank you. And, of course, you can find out more about our podcast and subscribe for updates by visiting thedivorcepodcast.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Kate underscore daily. Sue Atkins, thank you very much indeed. Take care.